I wonder if you have your Bibles with you this evening, if you could turn with me to uh, the prophecy of Jonah. The book of Jonah, commencing to read at at chapter 1, of course, Jonah is one of the the minor prophets. If you find the, the book of Isaiah, and then you'll find Jeremiah, and Lamentations, and Ezekiel, Daniel, Then we come to the the minor prophets as they are known. Begins with Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and then it's Jonah. Just a very small book in the Old Testament canon of Scripture. And in chapter 1, verse 1, this is what the word of the Lord hath to say. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship. And he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise? Call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, of whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. 
Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea roared and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea, so the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea roared and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Ending our reading at verse 17, we Trust that the Lord will add with his own divine stamp of blessing and approval the public reading of his precious and his inerrant truth. The story of Jonah is a story perhaps that many of us can recall from our earliest childhood years. The narrative of a man disobeying God Fleeing from the God of heaven. A man in disobedience to the Lord. A man on the run. Who was swallowed up by a great fish. And remained in the belly of the fish three days, the Bible says. And three nights it, it no doubt intrigued us. And it fascinated us as children as we wondered whatever would become of this minor prophet that at this stage in his life was living a life of disobedience. And yet when we consider the, the life and the story of Jonah, we can behold that there are many telling lessons that we can glean 
and learn and draw from his life. He was nothing more and nothing less than a man who was on the run from God. And I want to, by the grace of God, bring this evening what could be considered a double-barreled message. I want to first of all consider Jonah and compare him to the, the people of God. Those who can look back to a time when we embraced Christ as our Lord and as our Saviour. When we were engrafted into the true vine and we became heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ and we walked in sweet fellowship with him. But I wonder as we sit and carried off this evening, is there still that communion? Is there still that sweet fellowship? Do we still have the bounce in our step for the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there still that thought in our heart that we will serve to seek to serve him with not less than our all? Or I wonder, are we weary in the battle? I wonder if we become complacent and lethargic and indifferent when it comes to the things of God. Perhaps there could be one amongst us this evening who knows nothing of this new birth experience has never been engrafted into the true vine. And as we consider this man of God that at this stage was living a life of disobedience. Oh, perhaps you know in your own heart and soul that you've never submitted to the claims of Christ. That you have never placed your all upon the altar of sacrifice for him. And time and time again you, you gather with the people of God here in this fellowship and you endeavor to resist the promptings of the Spirit as best you can in your life. Perhaps you've never experienced the joy of sins forgiven. Yet this evening finds you under the sound of the word of God, under the sound of that word which is full of grace and is full of truth, it's my prayer that the Lord may have a message for the sinner and for the saint this evening as we consider for a short while the dealings of God in the life of Jonah. We know the story so well. How the word of the Lord, we read there in verse 1, came to Jonah. And he was instructed. He was commanded. 
He was told by God to go. To go unto Nineveh and to preach against or cry against that city for its great wickedness. You know, we live in a a wicked and an evil age in this day and generation. And all too often, as we turn on our TV screens or as we pick up our newspapers, it's, it's full of the vices and the sins that doth so easily beset the people in this world in which we live. Yet Nineveh was a vast city. We are told that the inhabitants of Nineveh exceeded over a million and a half people. And so in many ways, there was as many people in the city as there are in Ulster today. Bible scholars teach us that it was, it was a walled city surrounded like a fortress. And that wall ran some 50 miles around the perimeter. It would take a man three days to walk the width of the city from one side to the other. And so in its day and age it was a metropolis for business and for commerce. A great city. Friends, it was a city filled with vice and sin. With such a great crowd, yea, there was such great sin in the city. Do you know the Bible teaches us that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And I want us to see this evening what happens. What happens when a man, in spite of his own waywardness as a prophet of the Lord, what happens when he determines to go in one direction and yet the Lord steps in to the situation all of a sudden? We live in a life, you know, that is filled with interruptions. And furthermore, we we serve a God who specializes in interruptions. You will note from the scripture that every person that the Lord appears to use, he does by just stepping into their lives all of a sudden and changing the course of what's about to happen. And oftentimes as we read through the major and the minor prophets and as we read through uh, the lives of the disciples and the apostles, we, we find that the Lord tears up our programs and he frustrates Our plans that we may follow his purpose for our lives. 
Think of Moses. You will remember how he had the position of place in the land of Egypt. He was known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was given place and he was given power. He was given position and he was given prominence throughout all of Egypt. And in all probability, the throne of Egypt was his for the taking. And then all of a sudden, an interruption took place in his life. You will remember that time. How when one day he was out and he was surveying the land, how he saw an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew. The Bible says that that he looked this way, and he looked that way, and, and when he saw no man, Bible says all of a sudden he killed the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. The following day, of course, he he found that there were were two Hebrews quarreling and, and when he tried to refrain them and separate them, one of them said, will you kill me today as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And he was exposed And the Bible says that he fled. He fled for his very life to the backside of the desert. And for 40 years, Moses, who was a someone in Egypt, became a no one in the backside of the desert. You know, as we trace his life, we see that it was an interruption It was an interruption approved of God. You will remember Abraham, the father of the faithful, how he was an heir of the Chaldees and the Lord stepped into his life. And he said, all of a sudden, get thee from thy kindred and from thy father's house and go to a land that I will show thee off. And in obedience... He moved at the promptings of the Spirit. You remember uh, the great apostle Paul, how he he went to the high priest. He, He desired letters that he might go to Damascus and arrest any of the Lord's people. And he might bind them and bring them to prison. He had his agenda set. He went with his band of merry men to fulfill the task. He had with him his letters of authority. But friends, the Lord stepped in to the situation and he rerouted his life and realigned his will to be that of the will of the Father. I wonder as we Look at Jonah and how the Lord stepped into his life. I wonder if we'll be able to see how God refocused him and redirected him and realigned him for his glory. Maybe that's the purpose, you know, of the message 
this evening. As we sit under the sound of the gospel and as we consider Jonah this evening and all that befell him, I wonder will we say, is the Lord speaking to me about my life? Can I look back to a time when I was more enthusiastic for the things of God than I find myself this evening? Can I see a time when I was completely surrendered and committed to the cause of Christ and now other things have, have taken the preeminence from the Savior of sinners? Oh, if you're not saved, perhaps the Lord's saying to you tonight, I want to realign your life. I want you to, to see that this interruption in carried off church this evening has been designed by the God of heaven alone. And I want you to find, and I want you to follow, and I want you to fulfill my will for your life. Look first of all at the plea that God made. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai. Saying arise go to Nineveh. That great city and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian kingdom. Yet Tarshish, because we read in the very next verse that he arose and he fled to Tarshish. Tarshish was a small city near Gibraltar in the southern part of Spain. The contrast between the two cities was so different and so vast. Nineveh, where Jonah was told to go to, Nineveh was on the east of the river Tigris in modern-day Iraq. It was more than, no more than just 500 miles east of Jonah's hometown. And that was the very place that the Lord was directing the prophet to go to. Go to Nineveh. Some 500 miles away, which was a journey in itself in those days. And cry against the city. But in contrast, instead of going east... Jonah, you know, went in the opposite direction. He went west to Tarshish. And Tarshish was more than 2,500 miles away from his hometown. And so the distance between the place where the Lord wanted him to go and the place where Jonah went or proposed to go was 3,000 miles. We can see his disobedience. God says, go this way. And Jonah says, no. 
I'm going that way. I wonder, is that where we stand this evening? The Apostle Paul once said, when speaking of the things of God, the good that I would, I do not. And the evil that I would not, alas, that I do. And I wonder, are we conscious of the promptings of the Spirit of God in our life, and yet we resist as best we can. And yet, the Lord might just be realigning your thought life through this message this evening. Oh, God forbid that we would not discern the mind of Christ in our circumstances. If you recall the story, God says, Arise and go to Nineveh. But Jonah says, No thanks. God says, Go. Jonah says, No. The Westminster Standards which are the substandards of our denomination, asks this question, what is sin? And the answer, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And so the plea that God made, it was to go. But the response that Jonah gave was no law. Not only do we see the plea that God made, but we see the, the path that Jonah trod in the portion that we have before us. Jonah was saying, I'm, I'm going to choose me over you, Lord. Jonah was saying, I'm going to follow my own course in life. I'm going to do my own thing, Lord. Jonah was simply saying, I will determine my own destiny. He was simply saying this, I'm going to occupy the seat of authority over my life. And the sad thing is this, that Jonah sinned with intent. He knew that this willful disobedience to travel 3,000 miles away from where the Lord had instructed him to be was sinning with his eyes wide open. Look what it says in verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Watch this. From the presence of of the Lord. Look what else we read towards the tail end of that verse. It says, He fled from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare whereof and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Look what it says in verse 10. Then when the man, then were the man exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? 
for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. And you know, the sad thing is this, that you and I just can't escape God. He is not only the omnipresent and the omniscient and the omnipotent God, but he's the one who inhabits space itself. Remember, this is a prophet of the Lord, someone who should have known far better. And alas, he wants to play hide-and-seek with God. God says go, he says no, and he withdrew himself, as he thought, from the presence of the Lord. It's interesting to see that in verse Three, we read these words that he rose up but Jonah rose up and then further in the verse Jonah went down to Joppa he rose up and he went down he simply set himself up for a great fall Do you know, as we read verse 3, we discover something else. That it says that he rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship. You know, in the permissible will of God, The Lord allowed the ship to be in port that day. Had God have determined, he could have decided that there would be no ship in Joppa that day. But in the permissible will of God, he allowed the ship to be in a port. It says that he found a ship It could have been going to some other place, but it was going to Tarshish. And then it says, so he paid the fare. You know, it could have been in the permissible will of God that Jonah was destitute of finance. But that wasn't so. The Lord allowed him to board the ship. The Lord allowed him to have the shekels in his pocket to pay the fare. You see, friends, the Lord will allow us to go so far, but no further. You know, I want us to see that the Lord, the Lord was about to interrupt his life. The Lord was about to step into the situation here. We read in verse 3 on two occasions that he fled from the presence of the Lord. I suppose he'd forgotten that portion of scripture in Psalm 139 verses 7 to 10. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? 
If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. I wonder, are you running from God this evening? Does this narrative of Jonah intertwine with the life that you're living before the God of heaven. His sin was costly. We read there that he found the ship. It was in the will of God that he should board that ship. But sin was about to take him further than he wanted to go. It was about to keep him longer than he wanted to stay. It was about to cost him far more than he wanted to pay. We read there in verse 3 that he, he paid the, the fare. The Lord gave him the finances. But there's a cost, you know. There's a cost to sin. And sometimes it can cost us our character and our standing in the Lord. And it costs Jonah that. Sometimes it, it can cost us our reputation and our testimony. And it costs Jonah that. Sometimes it can cost us our influence. Oh, no longer do we have the influence that once we had... And so often, it can cost us our friends. Look what we read in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the weirs that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. The plea that God made, go to Nineveh. The path that Jonah trod, he fled from the presence of the Lord. Friends, I want you to see the, the problems that Jonah faced. Sin cost him far more than he wanted to pay. The permissible will of God allowed him to, to go so far but no further because now the Lord goes after Jonah in spite of himself and in spite of his sin the Lord intervenes in this situation look what we read in verse 4 but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was all of a sudden a wailing wind that came. Friends, the Lord sent a terrible storm. Look what it says. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea 
and there was a mighty tempest in the sea. He sent a wailing wind. He sent a, a terrible storm. But there's something else in that verse 4. We read these words that the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a, a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. The wailing wind, the terrible storm, the shattered ship. There's something else in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. The scared sailors. Our God does not just use people to accomplish his tasks. But he uses tasks to accomplish his people. He's not just concerned about our mission in life, but also the methods that we use in life. I wonder, is your life telling for God this evening? I wonder, does he have a call on your life this very night? Oh, there is no doubt he has a blueprint for each and every one of us to fulfill. He has an assignment for you and I to complete. But I wonder, are we running away from the will of God in our life? Nothing ever takes the Lord by surprise. In fact, everything that happens, happens only because of his will. But I want us to finally see this. Not only the plea that God made and the path that Jonah trod and the problems that Jonah faced, but the place that Jonah went to. I want you to see Jonah out in the storm. He's fast asleep whilst the mariners are fighting to keep the vessel afloat. But God in his infinite mercy and in spite of Jonah and his sin. God's gone after him. Yes, he sent the ship. He gave him the silver. He sent the storm. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was... In the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Friends, sometimes the God of heaven sends a storm into our life to bring us back to him. He doesn't want to harm us. Friends, he wants to help us. In Hebrews 12 and verse 6 we read, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. 
He's the Christ of every crisis. In closing, I think of that portion when when Joseph in the Old Testament, who had been sold by his brethren and had ascended to a position of authority in the land. Remember that time when, when his brethren were brought in before him? Remember that time when he revealed himself to his brethren? And he said, what you meant for my harm, God meant for my good. That I might be a blessing to you. And friends, I don't know what struggles and what difficulties and what doubts and dismays you may have in life. But the Lord knows all about it. I don't know how long you've been running away from God and dodging and weaving his will in your life. But he's brought you to the kingdom and to this meeting for such a time as this. And he wants you to reach the place of consecration. He wants you to get to the place of complete surrender this evening. You know, God hadn't finished with Jonah. God was going to use Jonah, but the Lord had to break up the ship. And he had to put him in abstract darkness for the space of three days and three nights in the belly of the whale before Jonah realized, God is in my circumstances. Let's close together in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the simplicity of thy truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for this story and the life of Jonah. And it's not a fairy tale. It's something that actually happened in eternity past. And Lord, we pray that as we draw to the closing moments of this meeting, that if there be anyone in this house this evening who has been following thee afar off, who has been running away from the grace of God that has been expressed in their life, who has been raising their puny arms of rebellion and saying, I'll not have this man, Christ Jesus, to rule over me. Oh, grant that thou wilt interrupt them this evening. Bring them to an end of themselves and to a beginning with the Lord Jesus Christ and grant that this might be the very night of a new beginning for an individual, even in this house this evening. We pray that thou wilt now part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. For we ask these things in the Saviour's precious And in his worthy name, Amen.